0: So, all that said, that's why I think that white Oreos should probably be cancelled. How are you doing, Jamie? Has it been a day for you? (laughs) I mean,
1: I think my day will improve after white Oreos are cancelled. Right?
0: That's what I'm saying. Just like, I don't know. We don't have to go over it again, but yeah, that's my stance. Anyway. I mean, generally speaking, like the
1: vanilla chocolates are awful
0: yeah well white chocolate is what what even is white chocolate i i don't know but it, it it
1: comes on way too strong and it tastes like kind of plasticky and like overly
0: sweetened it's just too much do you like bitter like uh like real like dark chocolate
1: my mom which is always a good way to start a sentence yeah uh, loves dark chocolate like the high percentage dark chocolate, uh, 80% even. And I I used to think that she she ate it just to troll me because it it, it actually tastes like eating a a crayon, you know? When was the last time you tried it? Uh, Maybe uh, early university.
0: Yeah, because I feel like I used to dislike dark chocolate when I was younger. And I don't know what it is, but I'm starting to like it more now.
1: Well, it has like a it. It's like kind of a palate cleanser, uh, and it it doesn't have to be overly sweetened to be like super appetizing.
0: Speaking of appetizing, you want to talk about your foot because I feel like you've got some appetizing foot stories that we should really get out of the way. Because I know you probably want to save it to like awkward disability story of the week, but I can't be thinking about your feet this whole time. Well,
1: I I don't really know if it's that like. Um engaging of a story i mean i have a problem with my permobile power chair
0: well there goes our
1: sponsorship (laughs) i think like if all of us cp wheelies got together and just like gave an off-the-cuff review of our permobile chairs we probably wouldn't have a whole lot of really super great things to say i would agree yeah because they're like they have they have this like uh uh, like modern electronics kind of uh, affliction, which is that like on the outside, they look very sleek and um, spatially economical. And like they they look kind of like a precursor to an Iron Man suit.
0: Wait, are you talking
1: about permobile wheelchairs in general or just the foot plates? Well, I, I guess permobile wheelchairs in general, because I have an issue with both the uh, the cab that I use and like the, the manner in which the seat reclines, uh, and then also the foot
0: pedals. Oh, I don't have an issue with automobiles as a whole, but I understand the footplate thing. I've actually broken my ankles because of the footplates.
1: Oh my God. And you let me complain at length about the blister on my right foot? wow. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's not a competition. How often do you just want me to shut the fuck up? (laughs) Literally, imagine I wanted you to shut the fuck up and I was like, I hate listening to you talk so much, let's start a podcast. (laughs) So that hopefully someone else will feel my pain. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... um,
1: Let's start, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, these foot pedals are just the worst because... they okay, so a traditional foot pedal. Uh, when I say traditional, I mean the kind that I used from 1987 to 2015. Um, it, it, it kind of uh, like would separate from the chair. It's like a yeah, the an swing atta- away ones, yeah, the swing away ones they they attach and you can you can hit a tab like on the side of uh, the, the foot plate and it will it will move out of your way.
0: Will it swing away in fact?
1: Yeah, yeah yeah exactly but then the problem is that uh, with that design they can like obstruct your your small casters at the front of your chair like your front wheels or even your your larger
0: wheels especially if they get bent even the slightest amount
1: yeah Uh, And that that's also another thing is that they're not very resilient. Like it's super easy to break them or to get really exciting or to get really excited (laughs) while you're playing video games or doing other things that are exciting. And then you spaz and break the
0: plate. CP spasms can like, I've seen like mangled stuff because of a CP spasm. It's actually impressive how strong a CP spasm can get.
1: My legs are like able-bodied legs while I'm spasming. Yeah. Yeah. If
0: you, you you're almost like the hulk in that if you get the certain a certain level of angry, frustrated, yeah. or afraid. Yes. Then you get like
1: superhuman strength. I guarantee you that uh so I've broken my foot plates uh like four times at work. Uh and I like I have a good reputation at work. I've never like had uh an angry outburst or anything like that. But um, if I have to, to like deploy new code or something um, typically that day, there's like 85% chance that I'm going to snap a motherfucking foot
0: plate, man. I have a, I just thought of a sport. So we get two people with CP, we put them (laughs) in an arm wrestle, (laughs) but they don't actually try. They're both just neutral at the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone on one guy's team, their job is to freak them out or hype them up or get them frustrated or scare them or something.
1: Yeah, So that they can
0: overpower the other person. Yeah. And it's just like a game of like who can manipulate the spasms on the person with CP to see who wins the emergency.
1: What if they don't need like a hype team? What if it's just like a like a foghorn or one of those like rap music like...
0: Bah, 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 like- uh, you just wanted to do that. You didn't even like, try to work it in organically. <laughs> Man, so James has been watching Superstore religiously yeah. and he's upset that it's over.
1: <laughs> For the podcast,
0: Tony. <laughs> 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 uh Okay. What if it's you watch a horror movie and then you just see, oh! But then it's like almost reverse. Whoever gets more scared ends up winning. So you want to lose the that you want to lose the arm wrestle. I don't know. That might be getting too meta.
1: Well, I don't know. Unless you like get off on exposing yourself to scary things, but but the thing is, like, wouldn't that be a great review metric? Like, um, like, don't yeah. you think that like like Bloomhouse, like the the production company behind all the good horror movies that last like five to 10 years would love this idea of like their their movie like breaking uh like 40 percent of the foot pedals of disabled people attending their movies
0: it would be a very very good way to be inclusive in your review process <laughs> yeah exactly yeah you just get a bunch of people with cp and you put them in a room Maybe you put them in a room with a bunch of glass objects. Yeah. And if they leave the room and none of the glass objects have been smacked to the ground out of <laughs> out of fear and yeah. spasm. yeah, then your movie isn't that scary. You no, no,
1: you totally need reshoots.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah, we might actually need to hold on to ourselves because that might be too good to just give away to Bloomhouse, which I've never heard of. What movie did they do?
1: uh they're like behind all of jordan peele's um Mm. latest and greatest i only
0: i don't the first one was good the second one was i don't know everyone seemed to love it but i couldn't understand it seemed seemed very goofy to me
1: well i mean we're not here to review jordan peele's work maybe maybe for another episode
0: is jordan peele disabled we can find out Um, if he wants to come on and talk to us about his movies, and defend the goofiness of his second uh movie we could talk about that with him
1: i mean he might have a hidden disability yeah you're
0: right we we can't review that but what we can review great segue i'm the best is a movie called crip camp yeah uh which is okay first of all guys if you haven't seen this movie and you want to know the disability experience this movie is basically Probably the best disabled-centric documentary that I've ever seen. And I don't expect to see a better one in a while. Like, if I see another disabled documentary or a documentary about disability or something, I'm just going to be in the back of my mind comparing it to this movie. I just, it was so good. Why do you, like, what is it overall?
1: So, um... Crip Camp is about a um, a group of disabled people um, who uh, congregated every summer at uh, Camp Janed uh, in the Catskills. Yeah, during the seventies. During the seventies, right? Like late sixties, uh, early seventies, and uh, it's about how formative uh, this camp was in allowing them to come to terms with their disabilities and being exposed to a disabled community and starting to have uh, open and honest um, and difficult conversations about the experiences that they were having uh, at that time in their lives. And the average age of, of a client at the camp was between, I think uh, like 11 and 18. So they're, they're all like young kids, like pre-college and growing up in the 70s. Uh, like the film kind of chronicles the um, early formative experiences of about a half dozen disabled people who all went to Camp Jeanette together. Uh, And only about the first like act of the film, the first third or so is devoted to uh, like footage of the camp and all the things that they did there and uh, the, the variety of personalities and the nature of their disabilities and Everything like that, um, but
0: I love that, that how it opens though. Like I love this part that uh, the camp experience was. You never went to camp, did you? No. See,
1: like th- this is the thing that surprised me about this movie is that I kind of associate a uh, camp with like inconvenience and struggle. Like uh, we never went to my sister and I. Uh, my sister also has CP. Like, her and I never went to an Easter Seals camp. And I don't know if it was because like it, it, the stars never aligned or my parents like weren't available.
0: I think it's actually well, it would be pretty far for you. The closest Easter Seals camp was like Smith Falls, which would have been like I don't know, twenty hours away or something.
1: <laughs> Probably yeah, from from Thunder Bay.
0: Yeah. Um
1: So yeah, I never went to those camps, but also like I, I my idea of other disabled people when I was a small child was like deeply, deeply stigmatized. And uh, yeah. it, it took me years and years to get over it. So I, I would have probably hated the idea of going um, as a kid. I wanted to distance myself as much as pos- possible from that designation. So I went
0: to one and it was like the big one. I, I don't even know of any others, to be honest. It's called Camp Marywood. And Pretty sure it's still around going strong, but I went twice. The first year that I went, I I was like you, like I, I didn't really know anyone else that was disabled. At my school, there were some other people with disabilities, but it was nobody that I could relate to. Basically like at school for lunch, I would go to this special room where all the other people with disabilities had to go. And I'd have to go there because that's where my person that would help feed me lunch was, and they would feed me lunch, but it was like mayhem the the room itself was absolute chaos, and it was like literally there was like people screaming and people like smacking the wall. I remember one time like a guy like came out of the bathroom with like his pants down and like a like, toilet paper streaking all the way back to the bathroom. There's like poop on the walls.
1: Oh exactly what you want to see when you're trying to eat
0: your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Exactly. To the point yeah. where I ended up I ended up having to well not having to, but I ended up choosing to eat my lunch in the bathroom because that somehow felt like the only oasis where I could have some peace. So me and my EA would go into the bathroom and eat lunch in the bathroom. (coughs) Imagine like the backdrop
1: of a toilet feeling more civilized than like the actual place where you're designated
0: to eat. Yeah, it was like kind of quiet. It was like my my little oasis because going out there, it was just just, nobody that was relatable to me. Because I was the only one in my school at the time in my age group that was not being taught as well in that room. Because most people would just go to to the school, go there, stay there all day, and they would do their lessons there. But I was doing my lessons in class, so like there was just no one to relate to. So I also had a very warped sense of what other disabled people would be. And I had this thing where, uh, I'm sure you probably can relate, but basically... I thought that everyone who is disabled, if they were quote more disabled than me, or like if they also had a mental disability, then that would somehow reflect on my ability levels. So if I got if I got lumped in with them, I'd feel terrible. Which I mean is is a terrible thing to think looking back on it. But when you're like fifteen or whatever, your your image is so important to you. And so it was just, I couldn't be, I couldn't get past the idea that people would be thinking of me like I also had, I was also the guy that had toilet paper coming out my butt. And I also enjoyed finger painting with poop because I just couldn't, I couldn't separate the two things. So when I was told that I was going to camp and everyone there would be disabled, I had the same fear. I was like, oh no, this is going to be a bunch of like the same type of thing that I avoided by living in the bathroom.
1: Not only that, but that the people like the attendants who look after you have different values or expectations of you from your parents and they might let you slide into some negative or into some overly disabled kind of habits or outlooks. Like you didn't, like you were afraid, like I, I remember like being afraid of being infected by the parents of other disabled people that I knew from Easter seals, who for example, maybe like didn't allow their children to get orthopedic surgery because they 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 didn't want their kids to suffer in the short term versus you know like maybe actually having a chance of weight bearing in their twenties
0: mm, and yeah, so it right.
1: just felt like it 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 was like almost like the idea of like some sort of ideological struggle
0: right, all that said, when I ended up. Going, it was fantastic. I had a great time because yeah. I realized quickly that it wasn't that these people would reflect negatively on me. It was that, like we talked about, like when you start to realize that you can enjoy the company of other people with disabilities, yeah. then quickly your disability falls away, just falls to the side, or it just becomes like a fun thing to like almost compare. And, and you can joke about it, and everyone is your equal there, which I really like. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's a testament to this movie that it kind of, um, uh, like, it allows you to make that connection with the subjects of the documentary very, very quickly. Um, it, it takes almost no time at all to to like the half dozen or so people that the cameras follow throughout the film. Yeah, and I think. Like I'm trying to figure out why on the fly it it works so well. I I think it's because like you there are there's like one voiceover per subject and like there's all kinds of footage of these people just like going about their daily lives. Like um the main um the, the main narrator, um his last name is Lebrecht. I can't remember his first name. Yeah, Jim. Jim, yeah. I, I don't know what his disability is, but he's like Spina his, bifida, I think. Oh Spina bifida, yeah. Okay. So basically like below the waist, he um he can't use his legs. Um uh all his uh all his mobility is in his shoulders and back. And he just kind of like pulls himself along.
0: Yeah, one of the first shots is him like pulling himself up a ladder.
1: Yeah, it's so like badass. He's like a a, a sound engineer for like a major theater company. Uh, like, I think in, like, uh, like Berkeley, or, or... Yeah, I
0: think Berkeley, huh?
1: So, yeah, so, the, like, there are shots of him doing his job, which is really cool, and then, like, uh, he talks about his childhood, and um, the, much like My Left Foot, uh, there's little uh, vignettes of him, like, hanging out with friends and, like, uh, playing in the schoolyard and just, like, being a person, uh-huh. and, like... I don't know. He just seems like immediately personable and relatable um, within the first few minutes of the film.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He seems like he took, he seized his life and he had a good life and he just made the best of it. He actually said pretty early on that his dad told him basically because he was disabled, people would never really try to connect with him. So it was up to him to be outgoing. And yeah. To like go up to people and introduce themselves, and that was crazy to me because I never got any really. I, I I don't think I ever got advice that was like because you're disabled, you're gonna have to do this. It was always like just kind of act like you know, even though you're disabled. It was it wasn't because you're disabled. It was even though you're disabled. I feel like that's the kind of parenting advice I got.
1: Yeah, I used to get a lot of, um, you have to think about basically, what would you do if I wasn't here?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And to this day, that question terrifies me. I'm 32 years old, and they're still here. And I I wonder what I will do when they're not.
0: I didn't get that so much as like, it was more the opposite. It was almost like my parents were so focused on giving me a quote unquote normal life that I sometimes forgot or overlooked the effects of my disability so like sometimes i would and i still do it to an extent where i'm in a situation and the way i'm acting is almost like do you do you know like how disabled you are right now like do you know this might not be a safe choice for you to go out and do this thing but i think that i don't know overall it has helped me live a very full life because I'm not always living in fear of hypotheticals.
1: Uh, I've known you for several years and I don't think I've ever heard you say no to any kind of like hangout or uh, event or situation on account of being too disabled.
0: Yeah, I, def- well, I, I also just like trying things and experiencing stuff. So it's hard to get me to uh, turn down something if I actually can do it way better than just sitting at home doing nothing but anyway do you think that's good advice to be like remember that you're disabled you should go out and be super outgoing
1: i think that i um in the workplace and in my late 20s uh when i lived kind of by myself in the bigger city like i i i kind of partied disproportionately and was super um outgoing and like drunk (laughs) And uh, I, I think it was because like I was trying to get out there and trying to like overcome the the natural kind of isolation that will befall you if you are not outgoing enough as a disabled person.
0: Yeah, you're almost overcompensating.
1: Yeah. So you want to be kind of like the life of the party and you kind of want to be entertaining and you want to make potentially uncomfortable and like boundary bending remarks about your experience or the experiences of others or whatever like just in the aim of telling people like you know hey like i'm here and i want to connect with you and i have some additional needs but if if you support me i will reciprocate and i can yeah. i can reciprocate and i like you may not totally discount me because of that but like society as a whole kind of does so i wouldn't i wouldn't blame you if you did by default you know some hypothetical, able bodied person.
0: <laughs> but then, the, the good thing about going to a camp like this is you never really feel like you have to overcompensate. Yeah. Because everyone there is doing the same thing. Everyone there has some disability and yeah. it's, like, impossible to find someone, everyone, ha- like, you, even your most disabled story to in this group, in this setting, is just nothing.
1: It's almost like uh there's a chance it could even be embarrassingly um unremarkable
0: yeah it's it's like you almost feel stupid for complaining about something because you know you can just look around and be like this isn't a good story right now
1: we should explain like at this camp there are so many shots of just like of wheelies um like hanging out playing sports uh like baseball and like, I don't know, like dancing and playing music and smoking and drinking. It, it basically looks like, um, like a crippled Woodstock. Yeah. And it, like, just the, the logistics of it. Like the first thing that I, I saw or thought when I saw one of those disabled crowds was like, how, like, I want to see a time-lapse shot of this like space, like from empty to full. And I want to know. I want to know the ratio of like attendance to cripples because, you know, apparently a lot of the, a lot of the attendants were like untrained uh, college, uh, college students. Yeah. That was so cool to me. Yeah, I know. I mean, that is, does that not essentially just like describe Carlton though?
0: Yeah. But that's what I loved about Carlton is that it really just felt like you're hanging out with your peers and yeah. then your peers are also helping you with your care. Whereas, like, where I live now, there's pros and cons because there is definitely maybe healthier boundaries in this more institutional setting. Yeah. But it's also, it does feel a lot more clinical because of that. Carlton does. No, no, no,
1: no, where I live now. Oh, sorry, sorry.
0: Yeah, so, like, Carlton feels more like camp when I'm comparing it to where I currently live. Because where I currently live, it's... A lot more, like today, I just got my new revised care plan. <laughs> In quotes. It's it's just a booklet of what I'm allowed to ask for help doing, basically. <laughs> yeah. And I, I went through it today because I was like, wait, why do I need to update? Why do I need to sign this? What is even new about it? So I looked at it to see what the changes were. But first of all, there's so many things on there that we're just so inaccurate about like when they come and like my schedule is wrong. There's some stuff from literally years ago, but on top of that, it's so, I don't even know what the word to describe it is, but it has things like, like every little step of my care is listed in bullet point form, like right down to, when Anthony showers, he wears an earplug in his left ear. And it's just like, what is the what is this doing? It feels so clinical and dehuman. In fact, the first thing it says like care objectives. And it says, <laughs> Yeah, care my care objective is to live a participatory lifestyle. Oh good God. Isn't that like the most sanitized? It, it just felt I don't know if I was projecting onto it, but when I saw, when I see that word, it just it makes me go like, "Ugh."
1: It seems like um, an overly granular degree of uh, like bureaucratic specificity is meant to um, raise alarms or to deny you care um, if you ask for something that deviates from your care plan even slightly.
0: But that's basically what it does. If if I'm just saying like, hey, I want to do this thing, then they can say, hey, no, it's not in the care plan. Therefore, you can't do it. Which could be, I don't know, like imagine someone like blows my nose and they're like, well, that's not anywhere in the care plan. <laughs> like obviously the attendants don't do that, but it is written in such a way where it gives the attendant the freedom to just deny anything that isn't explicit there but it also it gives the organization vha the ability to basically wash their hands of any liability
1: wash their hands but not yours
0: (laughs) yeah anytime anytime something can come up where i don't know they've tried so hard to take stuff away from me and claim to. One time they tried to tell me I couldn't shave because of liability. And I was like, okay, but like, they're like, well, what if we nick you all while you're shaving then you could get us in trouble, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, but I wear pants, I have a zipper. What if you catch my balls in the zipper when you're zipping me up? Then what, you just can't wear zippers anymore? And, and I, I literally said that to her and she's like, well, no, I think now you're just being dramatic or
1: something. <clears throat> Well, actually they recommend that we castrate you if
0: we can. So uh, that would be easier for them. <laughs> Is that an option or you haven't thought of that?
1: <laughs> yeah. I was thinking like it would be funny if they raised a concern, like uh if your hygiene was too good. Like, <laughs> oh like Tony, we're gonna have to try a little bit uh less hard during your, your bathroom gigs because uh, your underwear has too few streaks in them.
0: <laughs> the staff have reported that they're almost uncomfortable by how clean you are. And they don't <laughs> yes. feel like they can uphold this standard amongst all of the clients. So we'd rather you just stop showering every day just to ensure that other clients don't sit in their own filth as a result. I could,
1: we haven't detected any BO from your armpits in two weeks. So uh, we're cutting you. We're removing one shower from your week.
0: It turns out we're short staffed tomorrow, and you're the cleanest client. So <laughs> we're gonna have to cut your shower. Yeah, yeah. the The head co- coordinator of the program
1: actually prefers bearded men. So we're <laughs> gonna uh, recommend you stop buying razors.
0: But I was to say, when you're at camp, it's really cool because everyone is just hanging out. In fact. One of the guys there, when he's, when he, so they show everyone getting off the bus and they're like carrying people off this coach bus because it's not an accessible bus. Yeah. Um, and so they're carrying people down, bringing their wheelchairs out and it's already, you can feel the vibes that people are like excited and anxious and it's just fun. But one guy said, I didn't even know who was a camper and who was a counselor.
1: Yeah, it looked like everyone like was about to have a sleepover at their best friend's house, like in high school, and they just couldn't be happier to be there and get ready to chill with like awesome friends.
0: Yeah, they were so excited.
1: And they have that song, and you can tell me uh who sings it, I can't remember. But it starts off like Buffalo Springfield. Yeah, yeah. There's something happening here. A bunch of people in chairs. And whenever you play that song, like at the start of a documentary or like anything like that, it always feels very inspirational and like, yeah, something really is happening. Like they could play that song during a Trump rally and you'd be like, maybe everyone's not crazy.
0: Stop. Hey, what's that sound? Look at CP, just jump around. (laughs) If you went to a camp and you found out that basically there's like maybe 20% able-bodied, 80% disabled, but it was a 50-50 split of who is a camper and who is a counselor. Meaning that a bunch of people that will be helping you are also disabled. Does that bother you?
1: I, I don't know. Like me as a 20-year-old, yes, maybe.
0: Or well, like 15-year-old even.
1: Well, at 15, I might not have internalized as much of my uh, like ableism. So maybe I would have been uh, in a better place. Yeah,
0: I had a weird thing when I first... The first time someone with a disability helped me, like, get a drink or something, I felt so weird about it because I was like, what? I don't know. I think it just made me feel more disabled because I was like, oh, I'm disabled and I can't do this for myself, but you're disabled and you can do it for me.
1: Yeah. I remember um, back in 2008, there was, like, an incident, I'll call it, where um, a fellow client at Carlton, like, with cerebral palsy, actually like applied to be an attendant and like so many of us were like upset with this person and in retrospect it kind of doesn't really make sense
0: but it also did feel like a flex well it was definitely a flex because that person can help you with some stuff for sure like he would have probably been able to feed me or well probably just that honestly but I don't think I would have felt comfortable with him being able to give me a shower and do a transfer and that kind of thing.
1: No, because um, him helping you with that would have been him proving something to himself rather than actually like trying to do like the job of an attendant care person.
0: But not even that. Like you would probably, I just don't know if he'd be, if I feel physically confident that he could handle the task. I have fully able bodied staff come in and sometimes I'm like, I don't know if you're gonna be okay with like rolling me around and like moving me in my chair and stuff so like if you're already at a disadvantage where like your balance is off or something like i don't i don't know the recipe for disaster
1: would it be funny to have like an american gladiator style show where you like put um attendance through like um drills that prove whether or not they can complete transfers in certain ways
0: like the olympics for attendance
1: yeah yeah <laughs> like there's there's one drill where the, where, where there's like a, a half a dozen people at a table and they have to feed them all
0: simultaneously somehow yeah yeah you have like a small step and then you have to see if you can get them up the step and then back down the step and then you whoever can get to the front of the line fastest wins yeah yeah like if you can convince someone to skip the line whoever can
1: like hold at least like three cups with straws up to like three like wheelie's faces for at least 30 seconds
0: yeah if the person who can put position the urinal the best so that it can hold the most amount of pee in the shortest amount of time (laughs)
1: like uh um putting on um orthotics for uh cripples like on, on the right like feet yeah yeah but you do it with
0: like your non-dominant hand <laughs> oh
1: remember that one guy who was like digging holes there's like one shithole attendant who was like yeah i've noticed there's a lot of uh, cerebral palsy kids around here and they really like to dance so i want to see if i can make one of them fall into a hole <laughs> yes yeah, so we just digging holes in the ground but we never did see any shots of, of like wheelies falling into holes, which I like, I don't know would I have enjoyed that? I'm not sure. I don't know about
0: you, but I would have for sure. <laughs> I enjoyed watching them play baseball and like the ball rolls past them and they're like uncoordinated. So they lean over. It's it's like watching Kim Bates play hockey. <laughs> it
1: is. It is like really funny. In like an odd slapstick kind of way, but you don't feel like
0: you're laughing at them. I don't know why. I don't think so, because I think that, I don't know, it depends on the person. But if I was there, I think that hopefully I would have been able to build a rapport enough that I could laugh at them. Because that's the cool thing about being with other disabled people is like it feels way more okay to laugh at people because you're also laughing with them. You're not yeah. laughing at a point of privilege or from a point of privilege. you're laughing yeah. at them you're you're they' equal, so it's okay to laugh because they it's okay for them to laugh at you. whereas an able bodied person laughing at you unless you've already built up that rapport, it's a different dynamic because they're not laughing from the same ability level, so yeah.
1: It, like the laughter cannot at all come from a place of empathy, which is a huge problem.
0: Well, it can if you're friends. <laughs> yeah, good
1: point. But I mean, like, uh, like empathy for the the physical struggle of movement. I remember at Carlton, like, I if I was in my walker and I was walking alongside another disabled person and i started running i there was like a 95 percent chance that they would start laughing because when you have cp and you engage in any kind of concentrated physical effort with your like non-dominant limbs aka your legs (laughs) um it it really like you make faces as though you're about to deadlift 300 pounds yeah you make really silly contortions with your face like you're a fucking looney tunes uh cartoon and it's funny and it looks ridiculous and i guess it's kind of humbling to have another wheelie like laugh at you and say like do you realize like i know you're trying to better yourself but also you're a clown
0: (laughs) yeah it, it just makes everyone feel equal i think i don't know it's really hard to describe but this movie portrayed it pretty well because it does portray how everyone felt so free and comfortable with each other and it really just felt like they were kind of almost re-experiencing life like Jim LeBret said uh, something along the lines of uh, in my normal day-to-day life at home I never felt like the cool kid but at camp I was a cool kid because like the the playing field is level so he can just focus on being cool whereas like his disability didn't it wasn't front and center, you know. Right.
1: Yeah. There's a number of really good quotes um like that, essentially, yeah. and they all kind of they don't feel like sound bites. They, they they feel like they come from a real place.
0: Well, they also had that really great discussion about parents,
1: mm-hmm. where they
0: were all just sitting there talking. One thing that I noticed when I was watching is that I felt like I'd met everyone before. Yeah. Like I feel like I've met, even though it was. What, 40 years ago,
1: 50 years ago? I know. That's one of the most remarkable things is that, like, you're always conditioned as a wheelie to think that now is the best time to be you. Like, now is the best time to be alive yeah. as a wheelie, because, like, we've solved a lot of problems that we didn't have the technology for before. And yet you watch this this uh, movie and, like, none of them have cell phones. None of them have, like, Dragon speaking software. I don't think any of them even have like advanced foot orthotics. I didn't see a whole lot of like walkers or or like there seems to be in the seventies like one style of manual chair. It's all yeah. like the like the the nurse ratchet um mental institution, like boxy uh collection of chrome bars and like a leather back seat, you know, like the really depressing uh standardized chair. Yeah, I mean, you were just complaining about your pre I know that's so true. Actually, fuck, you're so right. I, I, but, but my argument wasn't actually that now is better because this movie is is showing all these wheelies, like actually being happy. Yeah, and yeah, like you know, like I've inundated myself with um, um, dozens of documentaries about cults. I, I mean, like there's always like that fir- the first two thirds of the film where everyone's like happy and like there's all kinds of free love and and sex and drugs and uh people making gardens and, and 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 like self-sustainable little cliques of whatever in these like little utopian spaces and then it turns out that like someone is like the cult leader is like sexually abusing people or <laughs> like is like uh laundering money for organized crime somehow or they own they own three private jets and they have like a dozen children uh and they're they're obvious sociopath with like sociopaths Uh, but anyway this movie doesn't ever do that like i was i kept expecting like there to be some sort of twist like that that you know the all the wheelies were going to sip the kool-aid and there's going to be a scene where everyone dies (laughs) and it just like never happened and that's awesome well they didn't get crabs Oh, yeah, that's true. And they were so proud that they got an STD.
0: Yeah, <laughs> which is super funny because <laughs> they were just they were like just happy that because that is probably the no- most normal thing that could have happened to them at the time because it just meant that they were having sex and stuff. And like, who would have thought that someone with disabilities could have sex, let alone get an STD from having sex?
1: Right. And they, they there was like no shame at all, like
0: anywhere in that scene no they were all just hanging out having a good time someone was like singing a song about perhaps and it was it was i don't know what would you do if i told you that i thought this movie was inspiring well when you say that something is inspiring it means something different from
1: when like an evil-bodied person uh says that why because it's so seldom that we actually are inspired by people who face our barriers, or something similar to our experience? But does it matter where you get your inspiration from? That's a really good question.
0: First of all, full disclaimer, I used to think like that. And I used to get annoyed when somebody would be oh man, you're such an inspiration. Because I don't want to be just that, for sure. I don't want to be boiled down to, my existence only benefits your plight. I don't want that. But... If you can think of a person fully and you're empathizing with the person and your inspiration comes from your empathy so that you're looking at someone and you're understanding what they're going through and you're comparing it to what you might have to go through or what you're realizing you're grateful that you don't have to go through or something like that, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with being inspired by that. I think what we usually get upset about is when people only see you as purely an inspiration and not even like a person beyond that.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, one of the things that this movie did for me, I think, was I'm I'm always looking for role models. Right. Because role models have really helped me in the past um, in high school and in university. I always had like a group of adults who, for me, like, represented what I wanted to emulate when I got older or they like extolled the values in in their lives that I could see that I also wanted to put forward into the world. And I would so rarely have like disabled role models. We've talked about this before. (laughs) Like our only role models are (laughs) Walt's son from Breaking Bad or Rick Hansen or Jesus, I don't know.
0: Jesus was disabled near the end, for sure. <laughs> That's true. He was, wasn't he?
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, this movie actually has disabled people. Uh, it chronicles the lives of disabled people um, from youth to middle age. And they are successful and, and, and thought-provoking. And they are autonomous um, and well-spoken and mature. And everything that I want to be when I get to that point. Married. Yeah, yeah,
0: you're yeah, married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, the two most quote inspirational people were Jim Lebrecht, who just seems like an overall chill dude. And I would attribute some of that to being in California. And like, it, it really just made me want to move away from winter. I feel <laughs> like I really do think that your environment can help. But he, he was just a chill dude because he, you could tell he was just a very cool, genuine, empathetic person and you it, just a very relatable guy uh but then the other one who we haven't mentioned yet but is a star in this movie is judy human
1: yeah i was thinking she's like kind of like ruth bader Gimpsburg. oh that's
0: a terrible comm- analogy
1: i i you don't like the word gimp i know i'm sorry oh
0: it, i didn't even hear you say gimp i just heard you say every get of gimp. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm just trying to think of, like, a contemporary public figure that she resembles, but she's, like, the disabled equivalent of...
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know why you have to compare her to anyone. She just... She's on her own amazing.
1: Just to give people a mental image of how cool she is. No, just
0: go watch the movie, because she deserves... She doesn't deserve, like, comparison to old, decrepit women.
1: Tony, don't be ageist.
0: It's not about her being old that I don't like. It's that She, oh, yeah, no, you got me there. (laughs) It's hard to defend that one, but I just don't think it's. I think she's entirely awesome on her own. She basically, okay, so she's the president. Well, I mean, maybe that's jumping forward. She also was a, a camper and she was, she was already, even at this age where she was like, I don't know, late teens, early twenties. Yeah, we meet her at twenty-three,
1: and she's like one of the camp coordinators, but she's also disabled.
0: She's disabled, and she's running the place. Like, so do you want lasagna?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Or do you want another dish with your meal?
1: Yeah, she's from New York, and she has like a like a, a wonderful like like Bronx accent. And so, the whole time we're watching the movie, I was just wanting to emulate her.
0: Oh, well, it's a such a contagious accident.
1: Yeah. Does everybody want coffee with their dinner? <laughs> We're gonna get some coffee, but don't worry, if it's too hot, the attendants will hold it for you till it cools off.
0: Yeah, you you know the lasagna is pretty easy because you just put everything together, you throw it in the oven. We don't gotta deal with like different things. And you don't really choke on it. <laughs> if you have a hard time chewing, we'll just Blend it up for you. Cook it a bit longer.
1: (laughs) Those of you that want lasagna, put up your hands. And those of you that want lasagna but can't put up your hands, everybody's going to get lasagna anyway, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) This is not a democracy. You're just going to eat what you eat, okay? God didn't give you the
0: ability to put your hands up, so you're going to have to eat the lasagna. Uh, so, yeah, she is amazing. The
1: movie kind of sets up uh, Camp Jeanette as being the the place where all these disabled people kind of gain the confidence to um, uh, project into the outside world what it is that they want and expect.
0: Yeah, that's huge.
1: Yeah. So they, they kind of find their voice here in their community. They, uh, Despite sort of go- going their separate ways for, for college and for their careers and stuff. They eventually uh, congregate for a couple uh, key political causes, like all sort of spearheaded by uh, Julie Human. Her actual name is Human, which is wonderful. Judy, Judy, yeah. Judy, sorry.
0: That's a really good point. The fact that everyone this camp was so good at letting people realize that their disabilities weren't the only thing that defined them—they found a community and other people with disabilities—and so then it just became. How do I squeeze the most out of life? I don't know. They showed her, they showed Jim, and then they also focused quite a bit on Denise and her husband, who both went to camp together, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Denise is like, uh, she's a writer, right?
0: Her her story is kind of funny because she she went to camp. They also talked a lot about polio because back then polio was like a bigger deal than it is now. And if you had polio, uh, generally, if you weren't stuck in the line, you were just in a wheelchair, but still pretty able-bodied. Like, you could still function fairly well. And so they we were making that joke about how there's, like, the hierarchy of disability. And I make that joke with every one of my friend groups. Like, it, it always comes down to who is the most disabled in that moment, according to that task at hand.
1: So what was the order in the film, Tony? I think it was... Uh, uh, polio
0: was the most disabled. Or sorry, the most able. Like, uh, if you had polio, you were good to go. Yep. To my delight, because I was watching it with you, CP was at the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah, when they said that, you were like, oh, boom, roasted. <laughs> I was like, roasted. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, CP is so vast. in ability. You can have CP and like... Your left arm is just a bit tight. And then you can have CP and you're fully spastic and you have speech impediment and you whatever. Like it can can go completely the opposite direction.
1: My whole body is tight, Tony.
0: Okay, well I'm not touching that one, but basically <laughs> uh, the one guy was talking about how he told his mom that he was because he also had CP, told his mom that he was dating someone with C P and she's like, Well, why would you date someone with CP? Can't you get someone that's not as disabled? Like, why would, why would you get someone who's disabled go with a polio? <laughs> like, You
1: missed that? Did you miss that whole joke? Yeah, I missed that whole thing. Uh, and now I feel bad because I know exactly why I missed it. Okay, yeah, you just blocked it out.
0: I mean, probably. Yeah. Or I didn't understand him. Oh, well, they had captions that so you also can't read. <laughs> So basically, the the camp part, like you said, is like the first act, and then they go on to... Were you not also afraid
1: that something bad was going to happen? Like, someone was going to bring out uh, this, like, uh, great ramp of sacrifice and start pushing wheelies down it or something?
0: No, but I haven't watched nearly as many cult documentaries as you have. Or, like, Jim was going to end up being some kind of awful person remember i went to church so like i thought that i like i grew up thinking that like everything was great and god will save you in the end
1: yeah your favorite cartoon was veggie tales that was your rick and morty
0: my my rick and morty was veggie tales and my my i don't even know what the equivalent of it was but i also watched bible man bible man have i ever told you about bible man Good Lord, is is that Batman, but with the Lord? Uh, Yeah, basically it's like Batman meets Star Wars. There's a scripture in the Bible that talks about like the armor of God or something. I apologize to anyone who reads the Bible and I'm completely butchering this reference. But basically it's like the sword of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, The Helmet of Salvation, or I don't know, something like that. The Phallus of Shame? The Phallus of Phallicness. And (laughs) so basically there's like this Bible dude who dresses up like a Batman with a lightsaber. Does he have an altar boy named Robin? I don't even remember if he had a
1: sidekick.
0: I think he was a solo fighter. But the beginning of every uh, movie... Or it was like a 30 minute movie, was him getting suited up after realizing there was some evil man, like someone spreading lies or rumors or something. And so it was he would like get dressed up with his uh, lightsaber and it was anyway. I, I'm kinda having flashbacks even trying to think about it. So <laughs> I'd like to move on, but the point is. I definitely wasn't thinking that all these disabled people were just somehow going to fall off a curb and plummet to their death in a planned sacrifice.
1: I'm just so glad that it didn't go in that direction.
0: I didn't realize you were so worried.
1: I I mean, I, I,
0: yeah. (laughs) But we got through safely. Camp is good to go. flash forward to Judy now, or I, I guess at the time it was like, you know, in the 70s still, but she founded Disabled in Action, I think it was called. Mm -hmm. And it was basically this movement to push the government to be more inclusive. Because at the time, the government was so far behind. It's crazy to think that this was only 50 years ago. They they didn't have any sort of legislature that said, you need to have an elevator or a ramp or no stairs to get into anything like a university or a hospital. Imagine not being able to go to the hospital because it wasn't accessible. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Like, could heart
1: attack victims just be expected to take the stairs? I don't get it. Like, what are you supposed to
0: do? It was outrageous. So, obviously, Judy was like, I'm not going to let, I can't do it. New York Times. <laughs> it was uh,
1: it was Bill Five O four, right? Um, some legislation that she wanted to pass in order to permit disabled people to attend public schools and a variety of essential public spaces.
0: Yeah, so it was like the rehabilitation act, uh section five oh four. And section five oh four basically said if you get federal money for your building, then you need to make sure it's accessible. Yeah. And they thought, eh, I don't know, doesn't seem worth it to me. The the one guy, oh, I hated this guy so much. That guy who was like, uh, just smugly like, well, it always comes down to this question. How many people are really going to benefit from this? Remember that right. guy? Oh, one of them. I hated that guy. Just pause while you look up some porn or whatever you're doing.
1: Sorry, I was just trying to pick up one of the quotes from Judy that really resonated with me. There's a point where she's talking to um, a public official uh, just outside of the building, I guess, where this congressman is that uh, is supposed to pass this bill. And like they're just asking general questions about this disabled experience. And they ask her, like, if she feels ashamed of her disability and she's like, I don't really think I've ever felt shame. What I feel more is the uh, consequence of exclusion. And, like, I really actually feel that, like, that soundbite in and of itself is quite uh, powerful.
0: Yeah, she was full of amazing quotes. This whole documentary, she's, she's just such a well-spoken person. Every time she came on the screen, I was, like, celebrating because she's just the coolest.
1: There's another quote she has, and, like, I I just want to be able to do the New York accent or whatever, But it's a funny one Uh, later in the 70s after 504 is passed where it's like she's at this um, town hall or whatever. And she says, like, if I have to feel thankful about an accessible bathroom, when am I ever going to be equal in the community? I mean, you know, I want to stop feeling thankful. I actually do
0: Christopher walking Christopher Walken.
1: Oh, shit.
0: That's such an eloquent way to put it. The amount of times that you have to think about, can I do this thing strictly based on, can I get into the venue? Mm -hmm. Or if I get there, can I pee or do whatever I need to do when I'm there? The fact that people have to plan their lives around that still 50 years later is honestly just sad. Yeah,
1: it's real frustrating.
0: To make it even more sad, they showed, it was probably like a, Three minutes of the entire two-hour movie, but it still haunts me when they showed Willowbrook.
1: Oh right, yeah. There's a juxtaposition between the uh, conditions of Janed and uh, a psychiatric hospital in the midwestern United States, uh, it's like this, like really famous now, I think.
0: Infamous, yeah,
1: yeah. Piece of investigative reporting by the famed Geraldo Rivera. Um, about the state of a mental hospital with a bunch of disabled people in it. And it's like the gist of the segment is like footage of these people who are basically like feral creatures. At this point, they've been neglected for so long. It's it's horrifying. It's like watching a scene from The Hills Have Eyes, only it's real people. And you're like, what the fuck is this nonsense?
0: It's so hard to even think about it. But they had like... Maybe 30 people to every one uh, person there that could help them. I don't know if it was a nurse or whatever, but basically they were, they were just feeding them like porridge and they had three minutes per person to eat. I just. To be
1: honest, Tony, it sounds a lot like your lunchroom in primary school.
0: I mean, not, no. I, I know I painted a grim picture. I mean no one no one came
1: out at some point in that scene with toilet paper stuck to their shoe and their pants around their ankles, but
0: It was worse than that. Did <laughs> they, they show like lying on the floor naked? Yeah, with, that's true. It was like yeah, like I it's hard to even. I know that like I I wanna just make jokes right now because it's so hard. Yeah. But it was if you watch that. And I think that was, like, what, in the 70s when that came out? If you watch that and you still deny the idea that people need better supports? Another great Judy quote was, like, um, I'm not trying to uh, take more of the pie. I'm trying to expand the pie so that there's more available for us.
1: Uh, Part of her fight for... Five, five, for Bill 504 is to occupy uh, this government building, the DEW. I can't remember what the acronym stands for. Health, Education, and Welfare. Okay, sorry, HEW. Yeah. And yeah, so she she collects a bunch of wheelies, and they go down to this building, and they, they, they do a sit-in for like several days,
0: was it? Dude, it was like three weeks. Oh, yeah, like a, a full month. Uh, Judy basically like, guys, if they don't, if we just sit back and wait, Squeaky Wheel gets the grease, we have enough wheels combined. So let's <laughs> get to the uh, San Francisco and basically sit in to force them to at least acknowledge that we are people. Yeah. And so day one, I think probably 100 people showed up.
1: There's probably like a good half an hour of the documentary devoted to this this sit-in and all the footage of of wheelies like in cramped inaccessible spaces. And like when we say wheelies, we mean like people who who need oxygen and, you know, people with uh, like elaborate power chairs for back in the day and just like very disabled individuals like, you know, um, making a huge sacrifice to put themselves in this situation.
0: People were literally dragging themselves up flights of stairs and then pulling their wheelchair up step by step behind. them.
1: Yeah, it was so badass, actually. It was was
0: was insane. uh, The news uh, reported to the
1: event called them an army of cripples, which I thought was kind of awesome. Yeah, you're really stuck on that. Yeah, I want to see like the Sam Raimi film called Army of Cripples. (laughs) I don't know who that is, but I want to see any
0: movie called Army of Cripples. Sam Raimi made
1: like Spider Man and and like Army of Darkness and and all those.
0: Oh, amazing, that'd be
1: awesome! Uh, Bruce Campbell like campy horror pictures that are both uh, like equal measures like uh, terrifying, hilarious, and just full of squibs and like r- like really awesome practical effects. Anyway, I want to see the
0: disabled equivalent of The Incredibles.
1: The Incredibles.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, that would be fantastic. Like one guy's ability is to like. Mount any size curb. Another guy's ability is like I haven't really thought this through, but <laughs> I, ju- I just want to see a bunch of wheelies uh, on the big screen. Honestly, in any way, that would be that would be awesome. We should uh,
1: write a letter to Brad Bird and ask him to make the crippled incre- the crippled Incredibles. Why do you keep saying it in French? I don't know because at the start of The Incredibles, there's a a villain called bon Voyage.
0: <laughs> like,
1: like Bomb Voyage, like B O M B, and Mr. Incredibles has to stop him. And there's a scene where he uh, finds Bomb Voyage in a building or something, and I I just can't like the visual appeal of that villain was just stuck in my brain. I'm so sorry.
0: That's one of the best animated movies of my lifetime.
1: Oh, man, I can watch it hundreds of times. People say it has poor politics. I don't know if that's true. I never watch
0: it for the politics. Anyway, I'd love to be able to see a disabled version of that just so we (laughs) can review it on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, we should write
1: it and then review, review our spec script together.
0: Okay, sounds good.
1: Okay, okay. But yeah, like, what are some disabled superpowers? Don't worry, if we can't think of any, we'll just edit this out.
0: Well, there's the ability to move your hands. The ability to move your hands? What about the ability to never be late? That's a disabled superpower? I mean, if I saw a disabled person that was never late. Oh, you're thinking of it like something that only disabled people can do. Yeah. like I was thinking like, what would be a superhero in the disabled community? Oh,
1: well, I mean, like being a disabled person is like, Uh, Living on planet Krypton and you're the only human. Okay, so what
0: is a disabled superpower? I mean, it could be like getting to the front of any line. Imagine like there was a a terrorist activity at Walt Disney, but you were stuck in the back of the line. You could easily just get to the front of the line. (laughs) I'm drawing a blank, honestly, on what the disabled superpowers might be.
1: I am too, to be honest with you.
0: Like like uh, uh asking for help. <laughs> I gotta be honest, I might this might be a breakthrough, but I don't think there's much we can do that able-bodied people can't do. <laughs> I don't know if that's a profound thought. But yeah, I'm still stuck on like what would be a superhero in the disabled community. Like the ability to take the steepest ramp. I think Judy Human would be a superhero in the disabled community. She is a superhero. 300 people, though, eventually ended up in this building. That's
1: insane. I don't think there's ever been anything like it since, except for maybe like the the, uh, ADA, the passing of the ADA in the 90s.
0: Yeah, it was crazy because they realized, well, Judy realized really quickly, we can't just sit here for the day and then leave because they'll just ignore us. So we got to stay the night.
1: yeah we have to stay beyond like our bodies will typically allow us to stay. Like we have to be demonstrating that we're making a sacrifice. And, uh and yeah, like when I, cause I, when I think about like even going away for a weekend, like to a friend's cabin where I know there will be electricity and a place to charge my chair and I'll be able to bring my manual chair onto the pontoon boat. And I won't be able to ex- like, ex- I won't be expected to swim in waters deeper than where I can touch the ground and someone's going to push me up all the hills and there'll be a way to lift me into the car. Like I still think, oh no, how, how am I not, how have I not accounted for my disability? So if it was like 1977 and I had to go squat in a building uh, with no utilities and uh, also a lot of them uh, engaged in a hu- hunger strike as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it sounds like an incredible, an incredible sacrifice.
0: So many people actually came through and helped out. There was one person who built a fridge. Someone built a fridge.
1: Yeah, some gearhead built a fridge for them.
0: And then, uh, like the Black Panthers came. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Jefferson Airplane like did a free concert for them.
1: Yeah, yeah, in the building.
0: I, th- I remember seeing someone uh, with sign language was, like, talking to them or interpreting through the door so that they could communicate. Uh, it was just fantastic. But at the same time, I was wondering, like, what if you're at the back of the room and say, like, I got to pee? Imagine yeah. trying to get everyone out of that room so you could go pee.
1: I, we, I think we have to write a book on how to go pee as a disabled person. Yeah, I I really think we need to write that book, like the 12 rules for peeing, uh, like a riff on Jordan Peterson.
0: Rule number one is gravity. Um,
1: but I I wanted to say, imagine the care organization in your building showed up at that uh, protest to like offer care and they just turns out they just made things worse.
0: I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be in the care plan for them to <laughs> do everything. <any. laughs> Will not care for any
1: disabled person actively trying to better themselves by passing legislation that could um, positively positively impact all disabled people for the next fifty
0: years. Yeah, I don't know if this qualifies as participatory. This <laughs> might be above and beyond participating.
1: How funny would it be if they like told you that they put their care, your new care plan, outside your door, and you open the door and it's just a trash, fit,
0: a trash can with a fire inside of it? That'd be, that'd, that's exactly what I want. I want no care plan. <laughs> I want someone to be able to come in and be like, "This is what I need help with," and then not to go. Yeah, I don't think so. The ideal care plan would be no care plan.
1: You should state. You should stage a protest inside of the head office of your your care building. Just get like three <laughs> clients to go live there, and you can you can uh, take your Wi-Fi password off the whiteboard. And to be completely
0: honest, if if this sitting happened in Ottawa, I don't think I would go until maybe like day thirteen. Why? I'd probably wait a couple of weeks. Cause I don't know. I don't I I don't know if I would I, I'd like to think that I would go, but I'm being realistic. I, I feel like I haven't been to a single town hall about accessibility or about, like, paratranspo, or any of that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, this is, like, this podcast is the only thing, like, even approaching advocacy that I've ever done, to be honest with you. And all of our closest, like, some of our closest friends, they have blogs and...
0: Yeah, I mean, I've done, I've written, I've done blogs, but even my blogs are, like, technology-related. The only advocacy stuff I've done is, like, in the sense of, volunteering for people like to help them use technology to be more accessible i guess more directly like helping a single person rather yeah. than like bureaucratically or democratically helping a group of people which is way better and i should be doing that
1: well I, I wouldn't say it's way better i mean you're coming up with solutions that are applicable to a variety of problems i i would say i would say it's equally as um, important.
0: It's definitely important. I did stage a bit of a coup at VHA, and basically I went and met with them, and like an ethics person was there, and I aired a bunch of stuff, and that ended up eventually, a while later, turning into a client advocacy committee, which ironically, Basically, has dissolved since COVID. Like somehow, the pandemic means that uh, anyway. It's it's ridiculous. That was the closest to helping a group of people, I guess, that well, I can remember.
1: Judy Heumann went through a similar experience. Did she not? Where they, she managed to get the the congressman in question to sign Bill five hundred four, and several years later, she saw virtually no implementation of the terms um, laid out in the bill. She tried to be a
0: teacher and was denied her certification because of her disability. Yeah. So just to give, I guess, a bit of context on why she was fighting so hard for the system, because it so directly affected her. Not that it hasn't directly affected me, but her... Her oppression was so bureaucratic, like someone was able to say, I don't think you'll make a good teacher because you are polio and you're in a wheelchair.
1: Yeah, we should also say that when she was a child, she was denied access to her public school because she was deemed a fire hazard.
0: (laughs) Which is hilarious.
1: Ridiculous.
0: When was the last time you were called a fire hazard?
1: I I used to work at Silver City and they called me a fire hazard Every time we had a staff meeting.
0: So Silver City, like the movie theater.
1: Yeah, I used to work at Cineplex. Are you surprised?
0: I'm not. Su- what did you do?
1: I was a ticket uh, puller. I pulled tickets.
0: <laughs> okay, th- this is offensive to anyone who doesn't know our friendship, but all I'm picturing is me being like, "Hurry up!"
1: Yeah, no, that that's what it was. <laughs> honestly, honestly, people would offer to pull the ticket for me. <laughs>
0: <I> was- <laughs> Have you ever seen Zootopia where they go to your DMV and it's just sloths working there? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite scenes. Imagine, like,
1: physically, I'm, and in terms of utility, I'm a sloth, but uh, mentally, I'm just like a stressed out, crazy person.
0: Yeah, like, I'm sure that pressure even adds to your anxiety.
1: Yeah, like, I want my body to do my job, but the very yeah. wanting of it, like, prevents me from doing it.
0: Oh, man, I've been stuck in situations like, Never, I've always been on the other side of it though. I remember one time I went to go buy someone a birthday gift very last minute. I went, I went to a game, like a hockey game with a friend for his birthday. And I was like, I need to get this guy a gift. So I went to the, the shop where you can buy memorabilia and stuff and bought like a jersey or a hat or something. And I went up to the front, asked for the help. Because I, I just prepare myself that if I'm alone, I'm just gonna ask whoever's working there to do basically all the stuff that uh, VHA isn't doesn't have in the care plan. So uh, I asked for the guy who got us and I remember it was a very awkward moment, um, partially just the the cashier was like so attractive, and I was like already just anxious trying to be cool. And my hand fell off my joystick. And so I was stuck at the charge register trying to get my hand back up on the joystick. And I eventually had to ask her to come around the counter while there's like people waiting behind me and stuff to put my hand back. I was so embarrassed.
1: Oh, you could, you should have just turned it into like a flirty
0: thing. Oh, I was definitely not cool enough to do that.
1: Well, you could, you could have just been like, hey, baby, can you put my hand back on my
0: joystick? Do you just turn into James Earl Jones when you flirt? Is that your <laughs> your flirting is just a different voice? <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't figure out how to make it sound flirty otherwise. Oh, sexy. I'm not your father. <laughs> 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 Luke, I am your daddy.
1: What, what about Christopher Walken? Please. My hand, it fell off my joystick, baby. Can you put it back on? I'd love it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Next time I'm in that situation, I will try my Christopher Walking <laughs> to see if that helps. <laughs> Does, are, you, are you okay? Are you having a break today?
1: It's been a bad Monday for me, Tony.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm struggling today.
0: You're not. I mean, I, I like the accents. I just can't do them, and so <laughs> I know if I try to be, Baby, can you put my hand on the joystick? Hey, you'll just you, like babe, a, what are you doing? Like Austin Powers, yeah, I, it wouldn't go well for me, <laughs> but it did go well eventually for Judy. <laughs> here, okay, I have, I have a question for you. Sure, I'm being pretty facetious here, but. Is it progressive of the government to do what they did because in spite of the despite that they were disabled, they still like cut off the phones and the water and basically (laughs) were angry at them? They weren't like, oh, we should we should at least make their protest accessible. They didn't do that. Imagine
1: they like retroactively like installed more stairs around the building. (laughs) (laughs) Or they like they like shut down the elevators. Yeah, they, they took out the wide stalls in the bathroom. Yeah, they, like, made all the doorways narrower. They had someone sneak in and, like, steal all the manual
0: chair wheels. <laughs> <laughs> they, like, changed quickly changed all of their voltage to 240 so the power chargers wouldn't work for the wheelchairs.
1: They, they changed all the urinals to, like, narrow-spouted beer bottles.
0: That reminds me, actually... Of when one person said that this is when they realized the world always wants us dead.
1: Yeah, which like sounds so depressing. It sounds like something from a Werner Herzog documentary, but it's not. So my mom. Do Do you want me to read the quote? I'm going to read the quote. Let me read the quote before you tell us that your mom said the same thing to you. Wasn't the quote just the world always wants us dead? No, no, no. There was like additional context here. One moment.
0: Are you
1: talking about Werner Herzog or the movie? If you want me to read it as Werner Herzog, I can't really do a Werner Herzog. He's like, the world doesn't want us around and wants us dead. We live with that reality. So there's always going to be, am I going to survive? Am I going to push back? Am I going to fight to be here? That's always true. So if you want to cause that anger, I call it a kind of thrive. You know, you have to be willing to thrive or you're not going to make it with the Germans. It definitely is heavier when you say it like that. Yeah, yeah. Basically, all Werner Herzog documentaries are narrated that way. He could be like reciting a, uh, a children's nursery rhyme and it would sound like death.
0: Um, do you agree?
1: I do. I, I feel like... You think that-, that the world wants you dead? No, not not consciously, but kind of subconsciously. Because disability is like r- a lot of work.
0: It's expensive.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of fucking overhead. And I just, I'm always worried that the collective compassion of the society I live in is going to fatigue to a point where they're going to be like, all right, we can't do this anymore. Like, I really thought it was, I really thought I wasn't even going to survive Carlton. You didn't think you were
0: going to survive because... Carlton wanted you to fail?
1: No, because I didn't I I I didn't think I could get myself to the finish line. I just didn't think it was gonna work out. But that's
0: you, that's not society.
1: I know, that's true, but I feel like it's kind of like I feel like our culture kind of imposes that that outlook. Like if you ask other other wheelies friends of ours, I feel like they'll say something similar. That there's always this sense that it's like the care is gonna run out. You know, at some point they're going to put a care plan at your doorstep, and it is going to be just the the trash fire.
0: <laughs> but if if you're dead, then who who will be the next the able-bodied person's inspiration? <laughs> yeah, eh. I don't think that the, I don't even know if it's true. Cause let's look at it. I want to look at it like as okay. First of all, my mom told me this once. <laughs> uh, I was in my the hospital. wow well, you want to know? Well, my mom. You want to know where I got this wheelchair? <laughs> <laughs> did you just try to do the Joker's argument?
1: I almost did it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. My mom.
0: <laughs> you want to know why I have scoliosis? <laughs> My mom told me. I'm not doing the Joker.
1: <laughs> that I was gonna die.
0: Yeah, that's a different story. She told <laughs> me that because uh, I was in the hospital for a while and they were busy struggling to diagnose it, and her synopsis of what was happening wasn't that I was just stumping them. It was that they didn't want to figure it out because it would be easier if I died. Like the doctor. When she said that,
1: did she say it matter of factly or did she say it? No, she almost said it.
0: Not with tears, but like, like almost like I'm sorry, but I think this is the reality. It'd be funny if she was just like slapping the phlegm out of your chest.
1: And like jovially relating this anecdote with you. (laughs) Yeah, they just, they wanted you to die.
0: They want you to die, but I'm here with the ironing board. (laughs) (laughs) This is what's going to save you. Uh, So I've I've thought about it and I don't think that they want us to die. Okay, I get what you're saying. Like we are expensive in terms of like, you know, it takes, but I, I don't think that we have any shortage of, compassionate people and people that want to help, but also people that want to learn, people that want to include people. And I think, I don't know, maybe I'm just being a dreamer, but diversity is so uh helpful to society.
1: Of course it is. I I I don't I that's why I say like subconsciously and I don't think it's I don't think it's all of the time and I don't think it's the dominant thought. I just feel like it kind of hangs there. Like something we occasionally think about, but never acknowledge that it, that it would, there would be less suffering or that it would be easier, which is why we have films like me before you, which we will eventually review. Yeah. But um, I, I, it's a thing, but it's not a thing that we should, that we should respect or like really fully acknowledge as valuable.
0: Maybe you can acknowledge it as a like, motivation and just because if you're contributing in a meaningful way to society, then they, of course, don't want you to die.
1: And that, that definition of meaningfulness is rather sick anyway. So who cares? That's true. Yeah, very true.
0: Maybe I just don't want us dead. Well, thanks, Tony. Uh, how far to day 11, where they were so spineless about the fact that Eleven days in of people with disabilities, of all kinds, basically sacrificing their lives. I don't think anyone died, but like they easily could have because they didn't have any of the equipment that they needed to really function. You could see footage of people giving them like stretches on the floor because they'd just been sitting in their chair for like a week on end. Uh, it was it was insane and. The government still sent a representative to just to hear them out, basically. And he looked at all these disabled people, realized that he'd probably been sent there to be like, "Sorry, guys, it's just not economically feasible," and try to convince all these disabled people that they were being entitled or not thinking about the full story, and then. He saw all of this and ended up just locking himself in an office to avoid the whole thing. And they broke down his door and, you know, like, forced him to look. Judy Human again, is just the best. She basically forces him to, like, look at us, do what you got to do, come here and say what you got to say. But he was, like, nodding his head, and she's like... I'd appreciate if you didn't nod your head uh, as if you understand when I know full well that you do not understand what we're really talking about here.
1: Yeah. Like he couldn't even if he wanted to.
0: Yeah. And so that was like day 11. Uh, I don't, the timeline gets a bit fuzzy for me here, but I think it was at the 23rd day uh, they end up signing the, the bill. Right.
1: Yep. And then, um, Uh, The oncoming administration in the 80s, like uh, Reagan wants to veto it. So there's like another round of, I guess, petitioning to make sure that it doesn't. I don't even know the terms here. (laughs) but There's basically like Judy has to fight all throughout the, the last third of the film to keep the legislation that she fought for in place.
0: Yeah, they tried to repeal it. Yep. Which is nuts. It's insane. I don't know, fast forward, shot. And nineties, the Americans with Disabilities Act is signed, which is fantastic. There were shots of people climbing up stairs, pulling their wheelchair up again. There was this one kid who was the best. He was like I don't I don't know if it was a guy, or a guy but they were like uh, like if this takes me all night I'm doing it. it
1: yeah, like, it's like a nine year old kid. Yeah. Like with C V who looked like they had pretty decent Uh, mobility in general but uh, like a lot of strength they were just like pulling themselves up planking up the stairs like a rocky like the scene in rocky yeah it's like you feel like like gonna fly now should be playing in the background (laughs) it's pretty cool it was
0: awesome Uh, it was also devastating to think that that kid hadn't even been born yet when judy had to go through all this stuff for the first bit yeah and they're still having to climb up a flight of stairs at a government building. Uh, So the world is moving way too slowly, but overall fantastic movie. They show some clips of like the camp now and some of the people now. I don't know. Is there anything else that we missed? Well, I mean, one of the
1: um, parts of the film that I really enjoy is, how they repeatedly cut to the couple with cerebral palsy, who yeah. are now in their fifties, fifties uh, and sixties, or whatever, and they've had full careers. Like this one, the the woman who's an author um, got a master's in human sexuality, and she has such a, like a, a great sense of humor. It takes her a while to to speak, but everything that she says is quotable. Um, and her her husband's the same way. And, you know, apparently they had kids together, which is like so reassuring in a weird way. Like, it kind of made me like want to cry. What else? Um,
0: well, yeah, that's a that's a good point. They showed the kids of a bunch of the different uh, people, like the people that they were following throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And it was so cool to see kids are always unfailingly unjudgmental. Yeah. And you could tell that they just, Love their parents because of their parents.
1: Yeah, like totally revered them, and
0: probably also hate them for the same reasons. Yeah, yeah, and that's awesome. Like, uh, I've never even seen that before, honestly. Yeah, it was it was really cool.
1: I always make the joke that I'm afraid to drive my chair around like small children because I don't want to get them caught in the wheels.
0: I've had small children almost purposely drive themselves over.
1: Yeah, like that, that, that fucks, that fucks me so hard because it could so easily happen and I would not intend it. And I would just say, would, I would, I would carry it with the rest, for the rest of my life.
0: I dropped my nephew once, I remember. He was like probably, I don't know, less than a year old, I'm guessing. I don't quite remember. But, uh, my sister in law, like, put him on my lap and positioned him in a way where, I I guess everyone, including me, thought he was secure and then, like, took a few steps back to take a picture and he moved and just, like, rolled off my lap.
1: I mean, yeah, uh, power chairs are way more harmful than, like, your standard, like, um, what am I trying to say?
0: Manual chair?
1: No, power chairs are much more hazardous to children than, like, your, your standard set of playground equipment. Yeah. So, yeah, if you're a wheelie and you manage to raise children without killing them, you're amazing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, good for you. This movie, like, I don't know. It's, I didn't really leave it in like a funny, goofy mind space because it's, it was really just a great movie, uh, a great documentary. I really hope people watch it. If you haven't seen it, I mean, it's, it's been out for a bit now. It came out like a year ago.
1: I guess it's like not very, Good, like I would typically label it like not very good cinema. Um, if the forward thrust of most of your film is like, will the legislation go through? You know, like that's not a very good hook, but like the movie itself, there's so many feel good elements of the film that are so well sustained, and the portraits of the lives of these people
0: are so like believable. So, what you were saying is, you had a hard time watching. Thirty minutes of of people uh, waiting and sitting in on this 504 bill, even though it took them twenty three days.
1: I well, no, I, like that's obviously uh, interesting. But what I found more interesting was just like the individual wheelies that shared the screen. Yeah, I just wanted to see them
0: succeed. Yeah, well, that's one good thing that the, the movie did very really well is it was very humanizing. The whole movie.
1: Yeah, it it was Judy humanizing.
0: It was Judy humanizing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tony. <sighs> Do you want to say it again? in like one of your impressions. Would that make you feel better?
1: No, no. I just need to let it sit there and stink like the turd that it was. Shout out to Barack and Michelle Obama. For producing this thing.
0: Yeah, was, uh, whatever their production company's called.
1: Do we have time to play some uh, Wheel Breakers?
0: Do you have one?
1: I do. All right. Um, so would you give up your disability uh, if you could only have one orgasm a month? Well, you can still have sex and you just don't
0: orgasm? Good point. Yes. That would almost be better. Because sometimes it's like that moment right before. That's like the best part. Like when you orgasm too soon, it's like, oh, man. I don't want this to go on longer but if i'm not ever going to work out yes would not i just become like a
1: porn star you don't think porn porn stars orgasm
0: well i'm just saying like it would be easier if you could it, it essentially would last forever but i guess maybe it would would you just be constantly blue balls yeah that's what i'm saying yeah well that it, is a disability for it sure. would be like right on the precipice
1: of like cel- uh, being um celibate
0: um, once a month? That's like 12 times a year. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Like, I want to say yes. Okay. But that doesn't seem like very many times. Do I have the urge like, to do it, but I just can't?
1: No, you have the, well, yeah, you have the standard amount of urginess.
0: So my sex drive doesn't go down.
1: No, of course not.
0: But does my sex drive go up because I'm like constantly waiting for that time is it the same day every month your whole life is like no nut
1: november except for one time a month
0: yeah i can't even make it to november ever that's what i'm saying yeah i don't think so but <laughs> but i'm still thinking about the possibility that it would just make it easier to perform because like is it that you you physically can't or you're not allowed to
1: no, if you if you if you do it more than once a month, then you are disabled again forever. Yes.
0: What, what, what does like a wet dream count?
1: No, because that wasn't your
0: fault. So nocturnal emission, you can stay on your mission. <laughs> yeah. But hand on the clock, rewind the clock.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Right. Okay. Doctor Seuss. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think I'd rather have more than 12 shitty disabled orgasms. (laughs) Shitty.
1: (laughs) I wonder if Judy Heumann has any solutions for that.
0: I don't think that's really her room. I I got one for you. Uh, Sure. What if I could make you able-bodied and Uh I could make all of your disabled friends able-bodied? Uh-huh. But all of your able-bodied friends then become disabled. <laughs> oh, man, I do it in a heartbeat, <laughs>
1: just to spite them. No, no, like I just like even if I could just have that for like, like, like a month. No, no, it's it's like there's no turning back. No, no, no. Listen, listen. It's only for a month. But they think it's forever. No, it is forever okay okay, fine okay if it's forever then that would be mean and i wouldn't want other people to suffer
0: of course fine of course i mean you've gone what a quarter of your life what if i just said for the next 30 years uh oh, for the I... next 30 years all your able-bodied friends are disabled and then after 30 years everyone's able-bodied
1: so they they, they retire they retire able-bodied
0: yeah like they just have to experience it for the next thirty years of their life, which arguably is probably harder for them because, like, they're already aging and like all that. I don't but then, know, man. They've they've already been through their formative years. It depends, as an like, a morning person.
1: If they have an office job, like at least eight hours of their day are not going to be that much different,
0: right? Well, peeing. Well, yeah, but they can get over that. Come on, <laughs> like then. Yeah, but you know they're gonna be texting you every time, just trying <laughs> to remember how to do it. You're gonna become their mentor. Oh. You might even become their attendant. Oh God! Because they're gonna they're gonna be like, well, first of all, you did this to me, so you owe me, and then we haven't written the twelve rules to pee in yet, so like they're not gonna have the guidebook.
1: No, you know what would happen? My coworkers would start using their their programming brains to solve wheelie problems. And they would be that much more incentivized to help me.
0: But you're already disabled, or you're already able-bodied now. What? I'm able-bodied and they're cripples? Yeah. Every, all of your disabled friends become able-bodied. Okay. And then all of your able-bodied friends become disabled. But then...
1: Your switcheroo. But then there's too many... That would mean too many disabled people in Thunder Bay. That would be hard for them. Yeah, no, I would do it. I would do it. I'm sorry, able-bodied friends.
0: Yeah, that would be, be hard for them. Yeah, I'll
1: do it. Yeah, I'm going to do it <laughs> for sure. Because like they'll just, whatever, they'll work till retirement in their jobs and that they probably, their disability won't affect them that much except for the nurse, my nursing friend. He'll be, he'll have a tough time.
0: Have you ever had someone say to you, uh, if I could take your disability, I would. Or like if I could just, if I could just cough for you, I would. Or if I could just do that thing for you, I would.
1: I was about to say just my mom, but I shouldn't put the word just before it. My mom has said that.
0: And, yeah. you know, believably. And now your mom will become disabled.
1: I know. I wouldn't want that for her. She's had a rough, uh, a rough... my mom.
0: Yeah. No. What if you can choose five people? <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to trick five. Oh, yeah. Would you just pick your least good friends?
1: No, it wouldn't. No, no, no. I would pick the friends that I think would take it in stride. That's a wonderful wheel breakers. God damn you. All I could think about was jizzing.
0: I thought of it during this crip camp because of that. Uh, I was like, I wish people could understand what all these disabled people are going through.
1: Yeah. Because
0: this whole thing was about how all of these politicians truly lacked the empathy required to make these calls.
1: Yeah. And they were so smug about it, too.
0: Very smug about it.
1: Yeah.
0: And whenever I see this stuff happening, I'm always thinking, like, I just wish, like, even where I live at VHA, I've met the director. And whenever she says something to me that just sets me off and just makes me be like, you really just don't get it. Yeah. I just wish that I could just make her disabled for a year.
1: Yeah, I know, right?
0: Just to be like, all right, now now, fix the program.
1: Yeah, it would be like a fucking Scrooge moment. Yes. Like, like reflecting on her life and, and all the ways that she's made people miserable without realizing.
0: Yeah. That
1: would be so, it would be, I think it would be a virtuous exercise. I don't think it's just revenge.
0: No, I don't think it's just revenge either. I think it would honestly improve systems because so many of these people that make decisions even like architectural decisions, yeah. but especially like political decisions. Those people are very seldom disabled.
1: I would make all of the dispatch people at Paratransport disabled instantly. <laughs> and the only way they get to work is through their own fucking buses.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and and you'll never go anywhere because nobody can get anywhere. No, the drivers they'll just use the buses for themselves. <laughs> Yeah, they'll just drive their friends around. <laughs> they'll still be assholes. I bet you a like, lot if we made that wheel breaker and we posed it to the entire world, there'd probably be so many asshole, dis- asshole able-bodied people after. Because there'd be so many people that like live with spite. Yeah,
1: I can't, I can't pass judgment on them because I don't know if I would be one of them, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I don't know either. But uh, there'd probably be part of me that would be like, that's what you get. You think that's hard? Imagine what I had to go through. You're only on year one? Try 30, you know?
1: Yeah. Try going under the knife. Yeah. And recovering the way they told you to.
0: Yeah. So should we call it there?
1: Let's call it there.
0: Well, I just want to, I feel like we should end it with like a song or something dedicated to Judy. Oh yeah, you clearly have something in mind. I do have something in mind. It's completely uninspired. It's an original tune. You've definitely never heard anything like it before. So let me just try it out,
1: okay? Is it the sound of Andrew orgasming?
0: <laughs> I would not dedicate that to Judy. I respect <laughs> I her way too much.
1: Yeah, that's true. Sorry, I just that sound was so funny.
0: I I've I've written a song. It's called. Hey, Judy, it goes something like this. Hey, Judy, you're so badass. (laughs) If we're disabled, you make it better. Remember, when you fought for all of our rights, so we could use an elevator. Vader,
1: Vader, (laughs) Vader.
0: Because we too. Yeah, rolled done myself.
1: That was amazing, Tony.
0: Thanks, right.
1: You take a sad crib and make
0: them happier. Remember those 23 whole days <laughs> when you sat there and just got madder. <laughs> uh, yeah, so thanks, Embarrassing. Wonderful. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. Until next time, Cryptozo.